0: Hello friends, thank you for joining me today on the Truckers Following Christ podcast. My name is Pastor Steve, I'm your host and guide as we study through a number of passages of scripture that deal specifically with the end times. Now if you listened to the last episode, you uh, will have heard my particular view on uh, the events, of the end times and uh, the view that I hold to and kind of the the world view from which I'm coming from. Uh, It's important for you to understand that so that you uh, know the context of what I'm talking about. So just a brief recap, um, what I hold to as far as the view of the end times is what's called either apostolic or historic premillennialism with a victorious praying church, and in particular the uh, rapture, the catching up of the church being a post-tribulational rapture, so after the uh, tribulation, more specifically at the seventh trumpet, which I spent some time talking about. Um, According to this view, so having the historic premillennialism with a victorious praying church, according to that view, the church is going to be victorious in love with power during this, this time of history that is going to be the most dramatic time that we can imagine and that we have seen on this planet. Uh, there's a no- number of passages that I'd like to bring to uh, your remembrance. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 27 Uh, this passage is a great passage to study Uh, Ephesians is is one of my favorite books in the Bible Uh, chapter 5 there's a lot that deals with relationships and as you get further down in the chapter starting with verse 21 uh, it starts talking about marriage and it gives the example of how marriage is a picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. And when you get down to verse 25, uh, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish so christ is accomplishing a tremendous work in the church Uh, i want to uh, Have a quick bunny trail for you. Um, I have mentioned numerous times that the church is going to be maturing because Christ is looking for a bride that, as this passage said, is prepared, sanctified, and cleansed uh, without spot or wrinkle. And he is going to use the events of the tribulation to bring about that maturity in the church. Uh, I grew up in the context of um, my parents serving as missionaries to Eastern Europe behind the Iron Curtain. And the church behind the Iron Curtain was a persecuted church. So I experienced firsthand what these pastors and these congregants of the various churches went through uh, in staying true to their faith and standing up to a an oppressive regime and persecution is an amazing tool that god uses uh, remember in romans 8:28, it says that he is able to use anything and make it uh make it beautiful essentially so uh, it is Uh, Although we have trouble, Jesus has overcome the world. So we need to uh, keep our eyes on him. But persecution is a tool that God uses to move the church when the church is being stagnant or is being rebellious. If you think about the book of Acts, uh, the church had been commanded by Jesus to go into all the world to preach the gospel to baptize make disciples and they, what were they doing after Christ's ascension they were waiting in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit now that is what they were supposed to do wait for the Holy Spirit to come but then they were supposed to go out into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. The problem was they got comfortable and they stayed in Jerusalem and there was not much going out into the world that was happening. So God allowed persecution to come at the hand of the Romans to and the Jews uh, to cause the church to disperse so that they would go into all the world. So persecution, uh, from what I saw growing up, seeing the, uh, the time before the Iron Curtain fell and the time after, under persecution, the church grew tremendously in the East. After that wall came down, and we're grateful that the wall came down, we're grateful that that persecution ended, but what happened was a false freedom came in. And a uh, a desire to experience what the West had to offer, and so the churches before the curtain fell, they were full. They were packed to the brim. They were uh, children were sitting there taking notes on the sermons. There would be three or four sermons. The the services would last for hours and hours, and people would be standing outside looking through the windows, trying to catch a glimpse of what was being said and what. Was was going on. After the curtain fell, that was no longer the picture. The church no longer was busting at the seams. They had experienced a false freedom. Freedom only comes from Christ, and freedom is not a, uh, a worldly freedom, When it, uh, what, what Scripture talks about. Freedom is the ability to worship Jesus to follow Him, to listen to Him, to do what He calls us to do, and to know that He holds us in His hand. He is protecting us, taking care of us, watching over us, guiding us, carrying us. What the world offers as freedom is not what Christ offers as freedom. So, the church is being matured and God will use the tribulation to push the church into maturity. Uh, So the historic premillennialism view with the victorious praying church also uh, gives the church confidence and also an urgency to uh, partner with Jesus in what he is going to be doing. Uh, an amazing passage also in Ephesians is chapter four. In chapter four, it talks about the unity that Christ is going to bring about. Uh, it says he in verse eleven of chapter four, he himself, so Jesus, gave some. To be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So this is the five-fold ministry that he has given as gifts to the church. And he's done that for the equipping of the saints. So we are to be equipped by those who have those callings. Uh, they are to be equipped for the work of ministry so we are to be doing the work of ministry it is for the edifying of the body of christ so we are to minister to one another and then verse 13 says an amazing thing till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can you imagine what that will look like when the church has been brought into maturity? We'll all come to the unity of the faith. Imagine the global church, all the denominations will not matter anymore, will be in unity under Jesus's leadership. Will come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is why He's given the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. How amazing is that? So, back to um, the end times uh, passage that we are beginning to look at, which is Matthew chapter 24. Um, there is a lot to say about this, and we will we will delve into it in, in different portions. But what I'd like to do today is give you a brief overview of the time frames that are described not only in Matthew 24, but other passages as well. There are three time frames that we need to understand in studying the end times. The first time frame is the birth pains um, the beginning of birth pains so let me read matthew 24 uh, starting with verse 3. now as he sat on the mount of olives is jesus the disciples came to him privately saying tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age So the disciples had some questions that they were unclear of. They wanted to get Jesus' take on the things as they are processing what he had just been doing. If you back up a chapter, you'll see that he was uh, talking to and about the scribes and the Pharisees and was declaring to them that they are not doing what God had wanted them to do. Uh, he declares woes over them, and uh, he, at the end of that passage in chapter 23, he laments over Jerusalem because of the uh, the killing of the prophets that Jesus had sent to them to declare the things to come, and they would not listen to the prophets. So in the beginning of chapter 24, Jesus uh, and his disciples, they... Uh, depart from where they were teaching they they from the from the temple and his disciples they come to him and it says in verse one they came to him to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said to them do you not see all these things now I think that he's not just talking about the structure but he's talking about the things that he had just been uh, complaining about, that the scribes and Pharisees were not uh, teaching and doing what they were teaching. They were uh, hypocrites, is what he called them. Uh, So, do you not see all these things, Jesus asks. Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now there's a lot in that, what he said. He is talking about a physical but also a spiritual aspect to this. He's looking at the temple and he's saying this temple, this physical temple is going to be destroyed uh, because... God is establishing a brand new thing. Jesus is going to be going to the cross. He's going to die as the Lamb of God, slaughtered for us that we can have freedom from sin. We are washed in His blood. We are cleansed. We are made new. We are justified. Uh, we ha- are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And the temple is now the temple of the holy spirit which is our body we are the temple of the holy spirit and the physical temple was no longer needed so jesus was prophesying what then ended up happening in 70 a.d when rome came in and destroyed the city and literally uh, destroyed the temple throwing down every stone Um, but he's also talking about the form of worship, the uh, the law, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He did not abolish the law, important to understand. He fulfilled the law. And so he is talking about all of the things that are so important to the generation that Jesus was in, they're not going to be important in the same way. Jesus is going to be the focus. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we need to pay attention to in everything that he does and says and guides and leads. So the disciples, they come to him and they say, okay, we're we're starting to see the theme here that you're you're talking about. They still didn't uh, understand everything, but they, they wanted to know what are the signs of your coming? When are these things going to take place? And Jesus essentially gives them three time frames that he breaks this down in. So he starts off saying, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. We can see that has been taking place for sure in uh, the last... 150 years, a lot of cults have been established, a lot of uh, people have followed uh, doctrines that are uh, doctrines of demons, as scripture calls them. Uh, there have been many that have proclaimed themselves as being Messiah or being uh, an, a reincarnation of a spiritual leader, and uh, they are uh, they are prevalent. And there is a growing number. I, I've just recently encountered some new terms that I didn't know existed, and there are even offshoots off of mainstream Christianity that are just uh, falling off the deep end. Verse 6 says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Now, you need to understand that, too, because there is a lot of people in this world right now, a lot of Christians who are troubled by everything, the turmoil that is happening, the uncertainty. There's a lot of fear. Jesus has given us a command here. He says, see that you are not troubled. So you're going to hear of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. You can turn on the TV today, and uh, we used to... Uh, look at wars and rumors of wars being predominantly not in the nation of America. But today we turn on the news and we're seeing a lot of war happening within within our nation and a lot of rumors of wars. But his command again is, see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Here's another uh, important point, there are a number of uh, milestones, if you want to call them that, or check marks that have to happen for Christ to be able to come again. If we pray that Jesus would come today, he would violate his own word if he did so. So there are certain things that have to take place. For instance, Israel has to have a temple for Christ to be able to come again because of the events that happen uh, uh, during the tribulation. And we'll we'll get into the details of that as well. So all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And then he says, verse 7, "...for nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places." That word pestilence certainly sticks out in our minds uh, in the generation that we are in right now with uh, coronavirus and all this, uh, an unprecedented situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, And then he says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now I actually like the uh, New International Version, uh, the translation there, says, the beginning of birth pains. And that's really what's in view here. The, the whole picture of what is happening in the end t- times is likened to a woman giving birth. And so uh, I have seven children. I've uh, helped my wife deliver uh, those seven children in, in a variety of capacities. We had six of them born at home. And uh, so I was very actively involved with that. Uh, The first one was born in the hospital, but uh, um, I was still there helping with, with the breathing and everything. So those of you that have had children, you know there is a process of time that takes place. Not just the nine months, those obviously are where the baby is growing. But as you get closer to the delivery, the labor pains begin, and there is first the beginning of sorrows. Uh, is the uh, the tightening of the womb? Uh, there is uh, pain that starts happening, and the intervals of the pain they. They are far apart at first, but then they get closer and closer and closer and the pain increases and gets more intense. And with my wife, I could always tell when she was getting ready to give birth because there was a shift in her demeanor, her focus, uh, the the expression of even how she was breathing. There was a, a very clear change, and when that change happened, the baby was gonna be born within the next hour for sure. And I saw that with every one of my children being born. So these beginning of birth pains, uh, all of these signs that we, that Jesus mentions here and that we're seeing in our world today, there is a, uh, a squeezing of the womb that is happening. The baby is going to be born the, the time is coming, so, and it is sure, uh, a lot of people focus on the pain of labor, and they forget about the baby being born at the end. Uh, if you ask uh, uh, most women, they will tell you that once the baby is in their arms, the pain is secondary the baby is there. The pain was worth it to get the baby. Now, the baby, obviously, in the context of scripture, uh, with the end times, is uh, Jesus's coming and his setting up of his thousand-year reign. uh, And so we, we look forward to that. We know for sure that is going to be happening. So that's the first time frame, the beginning of sorrows, the birth pains. I'm going to pause there to give you some time to uh, uh, figure out the things that I've talked about, the passages that I've mentioned. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 4, um, Matthew 24, the first eight verses. Read up on those And uh, if you end up having any questions, please feel free to uh, comment on the Facebook page of Truckers Following Christ. I'll be happy to try to answer some of your questions. also want to give you a very good resource. Uh, A lot of the material that I use uh, comes from a ministry called the International House of Prayer uh, in Kansas City. And they have a lot of resources on their website, ihopkc.org. That you can go to and uh, and start looking into the, uh, the specific passages on the end times. A lot of helpful resources there. And uh, look forward to hearing from you. And look forward to delving into Matthew 24 some more in the next episode. God bless you.